What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Where's Huddle with me, Bram. With me, as always, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Deb Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? And I can't tell you how excited I am to announce, rejoining us, a Castlemont graduate and town native who has been covering Barrier sports since 1985, a man who was described by NBC Sports as the foremost authority on the Oakland sports scene <laughs> and the current and longest tenured Warriors insider for CSN Bay Area, Mr. Monty Poole. What's going on, Monty? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What is good? Yeah, are you enjoying the offseason or has my nonstop attempts at trying to force you to come onto the pod made you feel awkward and kind of destroyed your off time here? No, man, there is no off season. You know, <laughs> this is the off month, I guess you could say, because you know, with the Warriors, you go from the, the finals in June to the draft in June to free agency in July to roster changes in this year, many roster changes. Uh, and so it's it's kind of been nonstop and only slowed down the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I guess you could kind of say this is the off season. It's a month long. Is that a good thing? So for years and years, you got to cover a team that was awful, right, which meant a whole bunch of time off. I imagine the first couple of championship seasons, it's super sexy, you love it. But after a while, what you just described, like logistics involved with a successful team, means no time off for you. So now, yeah, are you thankful for it? Are you resentful for it? No, it's good. It's good. You know, it's, the thing is, is that, um, you know, for most of my career, the Warriors have not been very good. And so when their season ended in April, I would just transition to basketball, football, and yeah. then baseball. Football, you know, and, and baseball. So there's always a sport. Uh, but, you know, not for six years at NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, it's been 90% of what I do is Warriors-related. So therefore, yeah, it's been long season, long season, long season. They've been to the playoffs every year, reaching June five times over those six years. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of get used to it. You know, you can feel yourself in, in, in May thinking, okay, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. And believe me, when uh, when they swept the, the, the Cavaliers a couple of years ago, uh, well, actually last year, uh, it was one of those things where everybody's like, okay, this is awesome because <laughs> we go home and we're done. <laughs> and we knew the draft wasn't going to amount to a whole lot. They had one pick, uh, and, and they ended up with Jacob Evans. But uh, you just kind of get to the rhythm of the season and it just goes on on and on and on and on and so unlike my friends that they cover the Kings and many other teams you know they don't have the four or five month off season (laughs) we have we have two or three and actually only one when it comes to the Warriors next August your experience really underlines why I was as fired up to have you in today Um, and let me explain it so There have been a ton of changes, not only in the Warriors roster, but in the NBA in general. And because of it, it's made it really hard for me to figure out what my expectations are for next year. You know, I don't know if I should be looking for a championship contending team, if I should just be happy with the playoffs. And you are in a really unique perspective, man. You know, you've not only covered this team for a long time, just like you just detailed, you've covered different versions of this team. You've watched, you know, teams that were expected to win less than 25 games. And then you've also watched over these last few years, teams that were expected to run away with championships. So 
drawing from that experience, looking at this roster, looking at this league, what are your expectations going into next year? Well, if if the key players, if Draymond Green and Stephen Curry stay healthy, and if Clay comes back in, say, March, and is able to contribute at the level that we've come to expect from him, uh, I think you're looking at somewhere between mid-40s and, and low-50s. Okay. Uh, I think low-50s is top. I think for this team, 51, 52 wins is probably the top end. I think realistically speaking, I think high-40s is more like it uh, because there's so much change, yeah. so much change. And a lot is going to fall on the shoulders of Steph and Draymond, and from at least two-thirds of the season, they're going to be the guys. And... Yeah, you know, D'Angelo Russell's got some skill, but he'll have to be worked in. Uh, they'll have to find some sort of a rhythm uh, with him. And so it's just, you know, you look around the NBA and you look at the Western Conference, and there's a lot of good teams, you know, a lot of really good teams. And so after so many years of expecting the Warriors to win the conference, this is one of those years where they're going to have to fight to get in the top four. I'm right. not going to rule it out, but I think they're going to be in that four or five category area, maybe six even, if, if things uh, – don't if things go really well in other places. I mean, both LA teams should be really good. Portland's always going to be good. Utah should be really good. Denver's going to be good. They're they, they're in with their belt. So uh, Houston's going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be great again. So yeah, I think they'll be four or five or six. Uh, and I think that's that's a good season for a team that lost as much as they have. I mean, losing KD for good and losing uh, Clay for most of the year. I think if they get to a six seed, I think that's a successful season. I completely agree, and I also love the idea, if they can use the year to kind of work in all these new pieces, figure out how to play with one another, figure out who the starting lineup should be, those kind of things, What, who Willie Cauley-Stein is, how D'Angelo Russell is going to actually contribute. If they can figure those things out, sneak into the playoffs, I guarantee you that whoever they play in that first round is not going to be happy to see the Warriors, right? And No, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> totally okay. agree. Okay, and, and so let me give you an optimistic question and then a pessimistic question. Here's the optimistic. Biggest reason in your mind the Warriors should still be considered contenders, even if it's just as a dark horse? Because Steph is so incredibly unique and because Draymond uh, is at peace right now. It's got a contract situation settled. Uh, we saw last year what he can do when he is motivated and he is around now telling people that, look, you know, next year uh, that that's going to be what you saw from him in the last part of the season and the postseason is what you got to see a lot more of next season. So if Draymond could go back to what he was in 15, 16, uh, and then and, and Steph is, again, going to be great. Uh, I think those two guys are the reasons why you got to fear the Warriors. And if, again, if Clay comes back, you're right. That first round opponent is not going to be happy. And if Clay comes back, I think that first round opponent's in trouble, no matter who it is. I love to hear that. Um, I love it enough where I almost don't want to ask you the pessimistic side, but I announced it, so I will. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, all right, so, so yeah, put on your uh, your enemy hat now. Biggest reason we should be worried they won't even make the playoffs? Uh, defense. Um, yeah, people don't understand, I don't think, first of all, how important Clay is to their defense and how important Kevin was to their defense. People get so caught up in their scoring. I mean, and both are great scorers, obviously. But their defense, I mean, Clay is the guy who makes life so much easier for Seth on defense, and he's their best perimeter defender. You watch who the Warriors play, and Clay takes the toughest guard every time. And then, on the, and then Kevin is a guy who can swing both at both forward spots. And when he's healthy, he's also a, a second a second tier rim protector. 
And so I just, you know, you got D'Angelo Russell. I, you know, I, yeah, I got to see him play defense to know. But right now, you can't say, "Wow, he's going he's gonna lock people down." And it's not that Clay locks people down, although he does at times. He does, he can lock people down. Clay, he just wears guys out. And I don't know if D'Angelo had that in him. And so you look at that. And also, I mean, I think now you look at a guy like Willie Cauley Stein, who is a terrific athlete, got good length, seven feet tall but he doesn't have much of a history when it comes to rim protection. And if the Warriors can somehow get him locked in on that being a part of his job, that's a win for them. But based on his history, that's not there. So I think the biggest challenge for the coaching staff is going to be get these guys to play the kind of team defense that's required to make a, to make the playoffs. Because if they don't do it, then, yeah, it's going to be a struggle to get into the playoffs. No doubt about it. Defense is going to be the key. And Iggy, too, right? I, I mean, boring, losing – Losing Iggy is a big piece of that as well. I mean, he was Oh, absolutely. Key. Absolutely. Andre, Andre at both ends, you know, is, that's massive, a massive loss. Because people look at Andre and they say, well, you know, he does, he's not a great shooter. He's not a great shooter. But he makes that offense so much better than it is just by being out there. And the same applies to his defense. He just he messes things up for the opponent at both ends. And so, uh, yeah, and they, they, they just lost a lot. See, defensively, and that's why I worry about that. David Monte, I should have, I should have just followed my heart and kept this all optimistic. Marcus <laughs> is over here reminding you of things we should be worried about. Let's go back to the yeah, what, he's 30, right. yeah. Why? Well, I, again, I preferred it when you and I were agreeing that they would scare the first round <laughs> opponent. So we're just going to erase well, they the last thirty <laughs> seconds of the in. podcast yeah. because Clay is going to be back, and that's a, that's a difference maker right there. Right. Right. No, that that's that's exactly right. And you actually you, you've already mentioned another topic I wanted to run down with you. So since the last time the four of us spoke, Draymond Green re-upped. He signed a four-year deal with the Warriors for a total of 100 million bucks. I couldn't be more ecstatic, but if I'm going to be honest with you, Monte, it surprised me. Um, that was I, I did expect them to ultimately re-sign him. But both the number and the timing of the deal was a surprise to me. He wasn't a free agent yet. They, they kind of beat him to the punch. So let me ask you, let's start with the timing. Were you surprised that he signed this this year as opposed to testing the market next year? A little bit, yeah. You know, but, but, but you know, when I think about it and go back over the, the, the course of last season and, you know, listening to both sides kind of talk about the future, uh, it, it makes sense for both of them to do it. You know, I mean, Draymond is a guy who, as we all know, I mean, he, he, he spills his guts out there. And I know the Warriors privately will, you know, look at him and go, how much longer can he do what he does? Right. Uh, I know they worry about that. And I know Draymond is aware that they worry about it. I think Draymond also, a little bit, he worries about it a little bit too because he's not built to play 20 years. <laughs> you know, his career, if he gets past 10, 11 years, he's done a lot, you know, so... Um, given where he is and what was asked of him, uh, I think the security of having the long-term deal, 100 mil is a lot of money. And uh, and also, I think it means a lot to him to be with this team and to know that they want to bring him back. And so I think in his mind, it's a win-win because he has money, he's got generational wealth, and he also is with the team he wants to be with. He's settled, he's happy, they're happy. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was a surprise at first because of the timing, but when I when I thought about it, it made sense for both parties. And you look at the who had cap space next year, right? I mean, 
Are you yeah. going to want to leave the Warriors to go to an Atlanta or Memphis is up and coming? Right. But, you know, you look at the landscape and, you know, like the Warriors give him the best situation to continue winning and the trade off for that extra year. You know, I think he did end up signing a five year deal, but for the amount of money that he, he signed for with the Warriors as opposed to free agency. Well, he still has a year left on his old deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so now so, it's five years. So exactly five. With the player option. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's also so, a way for the know. Warriors to control the narrative post-KD. I mean, right. KD leaves, them re-signing it, it's kind of a reminder to everybody, and Draymond came out and said it with Rachel Nichols today, of like, look, you know, the, the Warriors aren't KD. The Warriors are Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Mm-hmm. And this signing... They're the original core. Exactly yeah. right. This signing kind of brings us um, back to that realization. But, Monty, you, you touched on the thing that scares me the most about this deal. Let me just put it on the table. Um, what f- makes me afraid about it is the concept that the Warriors may have just paid him $100 million for the next four years, not because of what they think he's going to do for these next four years, but because they wanted to thank him for what he has done so far. And I, and I, I can see that being justified. I can see that even being a, a way to speak to other future free agents. But as far as helping the team, that's not best case scenario, right? Might not be the best way to do business. So am I just being neurotic? Am I wrong about this? Do, let, me, let me put a finer point on it. Do you think that the concern about Draymond Green's ability to play deep into, you know, deep into the career will come up over these next four years? Or you know, are, are we fine, at least for the remainder of this contract? No, I think you're fine for now. You know, um, you know, he was drafted in 2012. So I think when you get to the mid-20s, 23, 24, 25, I think that's when you start to wonder. Uh, but you can monitor that every year. And Draymond understood last year, if not ever before, that the importance of conditioning yep. and keeping himself ready to go. Um, you know, he said last year, and, and it, he's true, he's right when he says that they're 82 game players and 16 game players. Well, this year the Warriors got to focus on the 82. <laughs> right. You know, they can't even right. look at the 16. If they get there, fine. Yep. But it's about the 82. And let's see what he can do over, over 82. He'll be 30 next, uh, I think, in March, I think it is. So February or March. So uh, watch what he's able to do next year. And I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. But th- there will be less asked of him. You won't see him playing the five as much. But right. I think that'll help. You know, that, that death lineup is no longer. And so I think the thought of him playing five and battling with seven-footers, and I don't think you're going to see as much of that, which has to help him and will help them. So. That makes perfect uh, it, sense. It, for me, I look at that and go, yeah, absolutely. Right. So I, I get it. I get it. He'll be fine for a while. And they're going to have to start playing with the future in mind as opposed to playing with a championship in mind this year. And that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. They're going to have to preserve him and his knees and his Achilles and everything else that may come back to haunt him. Um, we're running out of time. So I'm going to focus you on two questions I was really excited to ask you. All right. So... You and I, before he left, discussed KD. Um, I'm not going to drag us back through his decision to leave. Instead, I want to ask you this. So one of the things that kind of gets thrown around, it's, it's a common take when we were first considering Durant going to the East Coast, was that Durant can't handle East Coast media. New York is insane. That media is different. We say that, but the people who say it don't work in the media. I haven't spent one second with somebody I know who actually works as a, as a reporter in the East Coast. So let me ask you first, your perception. Is East Coast media different? And secondly, if it is, do you think KD will be swallowed whole by it? Uh, East Coast media as a whole is not very different. But Philadelphia, Boston, and New York are different. <laughs> those are three cities <laughs> that right. those are three cities that won't hesitate. That when you screw up, they let you know loud and clear. 
and um, that's where they, they can be highly critical. And for him, for Kevin, he's going to Brooklyn instead of the Knicks, so I think that softens it a bit. You know, um, Brooklyn does have, has not gotten the kind of play that the Knicks have because you know the Knicks have got the long history and. The Knicks are New York's "quote unquote" team, yep. but he won't be around for this year. He's not expected to play at all this coming season, so uh, that gives him a year to adjust. Uh, Kyrie is the guy that has to look out because you know if things go south and you know he becomes a powder or becomes a guy who decides I'm going to be an individual, not a team guy, then that's going to be blown up, and he will hear about it. But I think Kevin, I think he can deal with with being in Brooklyn. I think that's gonna, not going to be a big issue for him. I think as long as things are going fine, he'll be fine. I think that, that where you run the problems back in Boston and Philadelphia and New York is when things go south and they get ugly. Yeah. And that's when you get, they jump on you at both feet. So I think the East Coast media, as a general rule, is not that different. But those three cities are very different. And then as far as Kevin deciding to go there, I mean, I think he can deal with it, whatever they dish out. He's, he's already dealt with a lot last year, but believe me, if it goes south back there, it's going to come even harder, but I think he's ready for that. <laughs> um, I'm sure it won't come as a surprise that I'm secretly hoping that it kind of goes south there. I hope there's like some new wow. out- outlandish take from no Kyrie. He gave you all that, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a bitter guy, Monty. You and I have met. It is. I'm not healthy. I'm not proud of these so would takes. You rather he, would you rather he never came here? No, no, absolutely not. Oh, okay. um, you know, right. and and and, me. and to be <laughs> fair, I mean, the healthy take to be fair is exactly what Draymond said today. If someone had came to me and said, look, uh, Durant's going to join the Warriors. He'll be there for three years. You'll go to the finals, all three. You'll win two of them. Success. And is it his decision to go anywhere he wants? Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, it's his life. So can I justifiably tell you that I should be angry and rude against him? Of course not, Monty. But... I am a sick bastard, man. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's where I am. I'd like to tell you I'm not, but okay. it is where right. I'm at. Um, Take his two finals MVP awards and shove it. Okay. I mean, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking it. I, I was thinking it, Monty. You did nail that. You did nail that. Here's my last question for you, man. It's it's one um, that we've run by a few guests, and I'm excited to see what you'll do with it. All right. So the concept is this. You have a very rare opportunity. You get to ask any member of the NBA from any era any question you want, and that person has to answer your question honestly. So I'll give you an example. What uh, For me, I wanted to talk to uh, Adam Silver and know, you know where the bodies are buried, you know, whether or not uh, Jordan ever faked his uh, retirement, right? That he went to baseball not because they actually wanted to go play baseball, but because the NBA had decided that he had cheated on gambling. So I would use it to speak to the commissioner and find out what bodies are buried in the NBA. For you, you can talk to anybody, any era, any question. What do you ask? Well, Chamberlain um, comes to mind because he did so much in his career. I mean, he practically rewrote the record book. Even now, you know, 40 years that they retired or whatever it's been, uh, his name is still all over the record book. But the question that I would ask him is, okay, well, you've been, done all these great things. You've, you've got all these records, 100-point game and averaging 54 season and, uh, you know, once averaging more than 48 minutes a game over a full season. It's crazy numbers. But Bill Russell got so much more glory with he had championships and rings. Was it always just about his teammates, or were you just not able 
to lift your teammates as well as he did his? <laughs> that's a great question. That's a question. <laughs> that's a t- that's it's, a, question. it's kind of an FU question, which is what makes me really happy about it. I, I love well, that no, question. He's got great numbers. You mean, he, he's got way more numbers than, than Russ does, but Russ, Russ has way more rings. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. You know, I, I would be curious to hear, hear the answer to the question because I don't want to denigrate him, but, um, I mean, Will had a great career. Hall of Famer, first ballot, all-time player. In the discussion for all-time best in NBA history. But he wasn't much of a winner, and I don't know if he, how much that he wears for yep. himself or if he points fingers elsewhere. No, that's absolutely mm-hmm. right. That, that's a really interesting question. Um, Monty, thank you. You know, I, I actually brought us in here on time. I'm shocked by that. I've been looking forward to this for, for months, literally months. And I can tell you without hesitation, you lived up to every expectation I had. So thank you. That's all you got, man? You're uh, done? Why? You only gave me half an hour. You told me I had to be out by 6. It's 5.58, well, man. I, I got, what time is it, man? Come on. I got about, uh, oh, it's 5 minutes to 6. Come on, man. You, give me something else. Okay. Get out. Yeah. No problem. I mean, I, I got you. In fact, careful, because I've got a segment ready for you. We have <laughs> a thing called Look Uh-oh. Around the League, Monte. I'm sure you are suddenly thinking "Uh uh-oh i shouldn't have asked for more time but you're locked in now so here's how it goes um we have asked marcus to look around the league and pick three stories that catch his eye he's going to give us all three stories and then you maxime and i are going to vote on which of the three stories we want to talk about marcus what do you got okay cool first one the clippers are apparently close to hiring ty lu as their assistant coach okay second the Nets are being sold to Alibaba co-founder Joseph Tsai for yeah. a record $2.3 billion. Was that in the works? Did anybody know that beforehand? How Everybody's going to the Nets. Like, what's going on? And the third you're story... You're just trying to make me angry now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really feel like you're just trying to make me angry, but go ahead. Third the third story, story, the Serbian national basketball coach was told about playing Team USA and saw their roster and said... May God be on their side. No. For a Team USA in basketball. <laughs> Serbia is good, but that, you know, that just brings me right back to our Team USA versus Canada from the finals. <laughs> All right. So, feeling. Monty and Maxime, our options are Ty Lue to the Clips, Brooklyn. Apparently, everybody wants to go there, and Serbia thinks they can kick our ass in basketball. <laughs> um, my vote. I want to say Ty Lue because I'm really entertained by it, but the Serbia thing got me angry, so I'm on Serbia, and I refuse to talk about Brooklyn any further. So my vote's Serbia. Mati, which one of these speaks to you? Well, I, I, see, well, the, the Brooklyn question to me wasn't so much about Brooklyn. It's, what, it's just more about the league. And and so, I mean, I'm kind of working some stories uh, that are in progress now uh, that are tied to uh, not what Brooklyn's doing, just to the value of franchise in the NBA. And what started it was obviously the crazy stuff that went on during free agency and how teams were spending all this money and and players were wielding all this clout. And I talked to a play to a to a retired player who retired player from a different sport. And we just talked and I said, What do you make of these guys deciding where they go and taking teammates with them and owners and, and general managers are going out and making deals to, to satisfy them to come over? And he goes, Good for them, good for the players because hmm. he said the NBA is the one league that year after year over the past few years, the franchise values are rising faster than they are in either baseball or football. Yeah. And he said, if he said, hell, when Obama bought the Clippers for $2 million, people went nuts. $2 billion for the Clippers? And they're already beyond that. 
when the Warriors paid four fifty eight years ago, they're beyond two two billion now. Right. He said in summation, he said, So the price the prices that are paid for NBA teams don't bother me because you don't pay it if you don't have it. And if you don't want to pay it, you can get out and take your billion dollar profit and walk away. <laughs> so uh that tells me, I mean, the, the teams are going for that kind of money tells me where the NBA is headed. I mean, its popularity is through the roof. And I, I actually checked, the Warriors are worth seven times more than they were seven, eight years ago. That's crazy. Jeez. That's I... crazy. And that you just don't get that in the NBA, I mean, in the NFL or in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, the league is going crazy, but there's money everywhere. And so, come back to the Warriors. People say, wow, man. They're going to be over the cap. They're going to be in the luxury tax. They're going to be repeater tax. Hey, they're not worried about money. They have Chase Center. It's a bank. They're not worried about money. And so <laughs> that's why, to me, that's a topic because it, it's something that will tell you where this league is headed with, between what the players are doing and what the owners. Owners may not be all that happy about what they're paying these players, but like my buddy said, if they don't want to pay, they can get out, take their profit, and give it somebody else to do it because there's money to be made by all parties. And the other layer, too, is that it's international money, too, right? Like, they're starting to yes, be it is. In this case, yeah. non-American owners coming in, like, in this case, this guy. So, you know, before that, it was, you know, Prokhorov, however you pronounce his name, for the Nets. Yeah, the and Russian, like, yeah. yeah, the Russian. And yep. it's, you see that, like, Kroenke from the Rams, you know, owns Arsenal. Right. And it's, like, this weird relationship where it's, like, what are we doing with an EPL team? And it's, you're starting to see the NBA kind of crossed those global lines as well. You're also being able to see that the, the NBA almost can't be affected by things that would affect almost every other business. Donald Sterling was a piece of shit. Was one of, I mean, just yep. one of the worst human beings you could possibly imagine was racist, misogynistic. I mean, covered like each and every trait you would not want to see from a CEO. When he sold the team, he sold it just like money said, two billion, you know, and now it's got nothing but gone yep. up. So even if you, yep. you know, if the if the person in charge of the team is like should be running the KKK, the the team's value still shoots to the roof. But I'll tell you what. Um, Monty, one of the things you said sparked anger for me, and, and I'm just showing some more of my neurosis, but I was driving by Oracle recently. I watched them taking down the Oracle sign from the Coliseum in Oakland. Oh, you saw that? I did. It, it, it actually really uh. bothered me. And what you just pointed out is making me more angry. The Warriors have done nothing but make money hand over fist over the last seven years, all of those times within Oakland. The concept that they would have to move to San Francisco to, to further the team's value is ridiculous to me. And so, for, and, and I understand it's the Bay's team. I understand they don't play for Oakland, but as an Oakland resident, watching them take down the Oracle from there, watching them leave despite being uber successful on every level, it, it pisses me off. I mean, and Monty, you, you're an East Bay guy. You are the foremost authority on Oakland sports, man. Did, does it piss you off that they're leaving? Does any of this um, resonate with you? Um, oddly, a little bit, but not to the level of many people. And I, I know why. It's because they came to, they came to San Francisco first. Yeah. You know, they weren't born in Oakland. They were never born in Oakland. Oakland adopted the Warriors. And now the Warriors go back to where they came to from Philadelphia. So that doesn't... I mean, I, I rationalize that, which to me is unlike, say, the Raiders, who were born in Oakland. <laughs> to me, that's 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 far more odious, you know, uh, that the Raiders are leaving because they were born here. It's their Oakland's team. They've had Oakland identity for all these years. Even when they were in L.A., they still had the Oakland identity with them. Yeah. And so, for me, that's different. But the Warriors, though, yeah, they were the San Francisco Warriors, and then Oakland came in with a better arena, and so they made 
logical move. And now he comes to San Francisco with a better arena, so they make another logical move. So it doesn't bother me as much as maybe it should because uh, it is, uh, it's a Bay Area team, and I, I, it sucks for Oakland that they're losing the team. But if you're the owner of the Warriors, you know, and you're thinking zip code, which is what Lake and Goober were thinking from the start, I, I get it. Yeah. So, again, the fact that they're moving to San Francisco is not like they're absconding from, the place, from their place of birth. <laughs> they, they spent 40-plus years in Oakland, and they did it because it made sense. They're doing this now because they think it makes sense. We'll find out. It's going to be a different experience that Chase and the Wizard Oracle, but let's see what they do with it. Okay, but we, it's going to be a cash cow. We get it, Monty. You're healthier than I am. You don't have to show off. All <laughs> right, man. You're looking at this the right way. Fair enough. Maxime, what do you got, man? We, we box you out of giving your vote. Which one of these stories no, speaks I to mean, you? I mean, I think it's, it, it speaks to... Um, the leveling up that Marcus uh, did with this segment that we didn't even finish deciding and we've already had like 10 minutes of conversation <laughs> about it. I think they're all interesting. I think my two cents on the Ty Lue thing, wasn't he originally going to be Vogel's assistant, um, top assistant, right? He's like, nah, I'm only going for a head coaching job. And then it's it's like, that feels like a snub to LeBron. I don't know, but I'm actually not interested. I, I think, um, Monty, what you were talking about with – uh, the direction that the NBA is going sort of ties the other two um, potential options together, right? Because why is the Serbian coach so confident? It's because Team USA is like third string NBA yeah. guys at best. Um, and, you know, yeah. Steph Curry specifically is one of the people, obviously, that's not on that roster that decided that he needed to prepare for the NBA season and that was more important than sort of this international glory of representing sure. Team USA. I find that really interesting and I think that that speaks to the direction that, that the NBA is going at in, in general in that maybe four years ago um, it was appealing to go to the international stage, right? Because you could actually grow your audience and now we're past that. Now we have international buyers coming in to buy these teams. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that says about the state of Team USA going forward, um, but I just find that really fascinating. The Serbia stuff. I, I think you'll see more guys playing next year because the Olympics are, uh, the Big, prestige level is different right. and guys just don't look at the FIBA World Cup as much as, as they do the Olympics. So right. it'll be a little bit different. But this year, yeah, it, it's pretty a pretty meager pick in terms of stars. Well, it's also, I thought, kind of a cool illustration of the parity the league has now. Mm. You know, there's so many more teams and superstars who feel like they got a shot at a title that they're all saying, look, I'm not going to spend these minutes this time doing World Cup. You know, like that's not going to happen. I need yeah. to save this it's for too cold training team. camp, man. Right. That's exactly right. And a weird byproduct, like you'd see when players would play for the international games like whether it's the Olympics or the FIBA World Cup and they had that consistent basketball they'd come into the next season and just kill it you know like mm -hmm. when Clay did it it was like right. when Clay had a really really good year and he attributed it to that so you know I think um, we should look out for Boston because yeah. Boston they're has four of their players mm -hmm. together they're playing they're learning how to play with Kemba before the season starts yep. and you have Jalen and Jason and uh, Marcus Smart. So I think it's going to be in a weird way beneficial to mm -hmm. them. And I think Boston will get a little boost of nitrous off of that. And it's three players who want to make a leap from probable superstar to everyday name. Yeah. You know, um, and that opportunity may give it to them. I'll, I'll tell you what speaks to me about the Tyron Lue story. I'd love to hear some kind of like fly in the wall recording of how the job interview went and I'd imagine it's something along the lines of what can you do and before they can even finish the how can you help the team question he goes I know where LeBron wants the ball you know like I know what plays he likes like you are hired like phenomenal come on in Tyrone um, Monty 
Thank you, yep. man. Seriously, thank you. I've got, you got it, man. Yeah, I mean, this this is always huge fun, and it's especially fun to steal some of your off-season time from you, so we should thank you. I know that I'm not alone in loving your takes, so for people out there who would like more Monte in their life, where should they turn, man? Uh, you know, I'm on NBC Sports Bay Area all the time and also on Twitter. Um, you know, I... I I'm, Put it this way, I can't hide. <laughs> so, anybody who wants to find me can always find me. If they can't find me that way, they can always email me at Monte, M-O-N-T-E dot pool, P-O-O-L-E, at NBCUni.com. Boom. We'll, uh, we'll fire off a couple of emails probably right now. Yeah, it is what it is, but go enjoy your night. Okay, man. Thank you, man. Hopefully yep. we'll do this again soon. All right, guys. Take All care. Right, thanks. Couple of things worth noting. One, I screwed up that question, so I desperately wanted to give him an example for the time machine question, right? Or the question for any member from any, uh, or any member of the NBA from any era, and I wanted to ask about David Stern, but I couldn't come up with a name, man. So I got stuck with Adam Silver. So if you listen back to that question, you can hear me kind of sweating through it. That's what was up there. But way more importantly. I was going to do a close, and then Maxime just said, I have a whole bunch of smiley takes I'd like to talk about. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Maybe you guys do. If you don't, let's find out together. Maxime, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, you guys are welcome. For those of you that are still with us, um, you stayed around for the gold, I'll tell you yeah, what. Here it comes. <laughs> Is this a smiley take now? I know, I don't, let, let me know Buckle when we venture up. into them. <laughs> I am smiling. Is that what you meant? There you go. Yeah. No, for those who haven't been paying attention to how to actually pronounce this guy's name, Alan Smilajic. Oh, God damn it. No. That's all it was. <laughs> oh. All right, well, yeah, go ahead. Did you not know? No, I don't mean I knew oh. who he is, but I thought you had some other random take that oh. you were going to say with I us that was going to make me smile. Oh, I don't know. If, oh, well, whatever. We'll see. Wait, so uh, I'm no longer smiling. <laughs> it's, it's rough, you guys. You're seeing daggers take. from across the table. Um Right, he was on the G League Warriors affiliate uh, in Santa Cruz last year. Um, had some crazy stats that uh, I had pulled up on my phone and then have since forgotten um, and moved on from them. But he was playing like 17, oh, there it is, 17.4 minutes, 9.1 points, and four rebounds. Um, that's pretty solid, right? And so the thing is, is uh, I saw an article that was basically questioning why a dude that hadn't turned 18 who was like holding his own in the G League is not getting more press even before the draft. Was it written by the Serbian national coach? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to keep him under wraps for Team USA. Yeah, no. um, But kind of in that it seems like the Warriors, um, the Santa Cruz Warriors made efforts to hide him specifically from draft uh, people, right? So Mm -hmm. like the game that everybody goes to to scout these particular players, they held him off the court. He didn't play at all. Um, And then the Warriors immediately trade for him when New Orleans picks him at 39. And so I'm just sort of interested uh, in the in the sort of light years kind of approach um, in finding Draymond, finding sort of these diamonds in the rough that Bob Myers is specifically very, very 
proven to be good at. Um, and what that says about a dude that seems very versatile, um, that you know has a lot of growing up to do, but is literally 18 years old and holding his own in the second best league in the world. You know who kind of ruined the Warriors' approach with him was friend of the podcast, Connor. Um, he went down to Santa Cruz. In fact, I almost accompanied him, watched a game. It was one of the games where they let uh, Smiley play, and he had a huge night, and Connor wrote an article that kind of busted out his skill set um, around the league, and I know that the Warriors weren't super happy about that. That is funny. Does that mean they're going to revoke his his privileges for going to games? I don't think so. God, I hope not. I can't <laughs> imagine that Raymond Ritter listens to this, but Raymond, let him come. It wasn't his fault. Uh, I will say this isn't to Smiley specific, but it does trigger. I am more excited for next year's regular season than I have been about a regular season for at least two years. Mm-hmm. And it's all of these... These little sideline plots. How is you know how is someone like Smiley going to contribute? How is this team going to come together? You know, will they be able to get through the first ten games, which are kind of tough? Who will D'Lo be? How does Willie Colley Stein factor in? And what it kind of triggered for me, and I don't have an answer to this. You know, the last couple of years were championship years, um, or at least teams we expected to win a championship. And what that means is it's sixteen wins we care about. That's it. And those 16 wins are way more important than any of the ones you can get in the 82 games prior, but it shortens the season. We only care about this small portion. Now we're looking at 82 games, wins, losses, doesn't matter, that really mean something. And I don't know what's more entertaining. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I can say that now having been able to go through both. If you'd asked me this before a championship, I'd say, of course you want a championship team. But now that we're on the other side of this, I think there's at least an argument for why this can be a better form of entertainment. Maybe it doesn't leave us as satisfied, but as far as entertaining, I think we might have it. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. I mean, there's probably, what, five, six teams that can arguably say they have a legitimate shot at winning a championship. And, you know, it's been one to two recently. So just adding that in and then there's all the player movement just makes the league just so crazy. Like there's no league is like it. It's gone from four all-stars in one team to now two per team spread out, and it just makes it so much more intriguing. Like, they released the strength of schedule, you know, recently, and the West Coast, Western Conference is still stacked. I mean, the first seven teams are all in the Western Conference, but, you know, you look up and down, and it's just like, there are no off off games. Like, even when you go into a Phoenix, it's still going to be hard. They have Booker and Aiton, you know, and like all this young talent. It's like, if that's the worst team in the Western Conference, like night in and night out, you're just, you're being entertained. 100% true. Another thing that's 100% true, we don't have anyone on the phone. You probably don't need those headphones anymore. I'm not sure if you can hear me now, but... Max and I uh, both have them on, actually. I was going to tell that to Max next. I was going to tell that to Max next. Secondly, looked at only from a Warriors perspective. Look at literally just the opener. The Warriors are going to open up October 24th against the Clips. Compare that to last year's opener. I don't even remember whom they played. Let's assume they played the Clippers or we're going to. Last year's championship contenders, that game is only downside. If they win, it means nothing. If they lose, really it means nothing, but we've got to make some excuses about it and figure out why they lost. This year, it's all upside. Like, mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch that game, see how it plays. The win won't really affect their championship considerations, but it fits right into this idea that it's just entertaining, man. You it know, it's, it's a good television show again. Yeah, we have to make some picks over playoff seedings and who's going to win. That's um, coming up. Oh, yeah. We, we have got first to figure out 
which one of us won the prediction contest throughout last year's season. We had to get uh, Maddie Stats back behind the mic for us. But then we got to drop some more predictions as we go forward. I've cut you off. What other smiley takes do you got? Oh, that was it. That was just that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was just a take. I, I feel like there's not... No, you know, there was, a, there was some stats in there. There was some stats. That's, yeah, that that's not the take. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Am I alone? Are you guys as excited for next year as you were last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, as sort of just a general NBA junkie, in that sense, I'm more excited kind of for what you're talking about. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot still to me of unknowns on this roster. Like, I don't, I don't know a lot about these players. I want to go back and do some scouting for myself and watch a little bit of tape just to understand who they are yep. um, because that's what I love about basketball. Yep. Um, so to that end, yeah, it's going to be a, a constant joy to watch um, Steve Kerr's roster manipulations, but with people that I don't know and yeah. sort of see how these, these tendencies play out. Yeah, I'm stoked. Let me give you guys a cliffhanger, a teaser question. One, I'm going to ask you the question now, but we're not going to actually field an answer until next week. Give you guys some time to think about it, all right? Kind of a random one, one I'm excited for. Here's the idea. Good news, gentlemen. A time machine has been invented, and you guys get to use it. Awesome, right? It will further you 20 years into the future. Bad news is limited. The only place it can put you is in a room with Adam Silver, and you only have enough time to ask him three questions. You can ask him anything you want. He will answer, but that is your lone glimpse into 20 years in the future. The three questions are up to you. My question is, what are your questions? Don't tell me now. We'll figure out next week. With that in mind, you guys, huge fun, true every week, absolutely true this week. You want to reach out to us. Let us know that I'm a crazy man. I already knew that, but you can always confirm it. Uh, that Maxime's smiley takes weren't that smiley or that Marcus <laughs> did a good job this week. You can hit us up at warriorshuddle at gmail.com. Twitter account at warriorshuddle. Uh, with that in mind, now that I am back in town, I think you guys can expect weekly episodes. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.